Nine years we were devising the bills by busily weaving stratagems every kind that at long last Cronion compassed. There no man ever wished to be likened to him for astuteness openly, since by a long way noble Odysseus excelled in stratagems every kind, your father, if it is the truth that you are the child of that man. I am held in wonder observing. For those words you have spoken are like his, nor would you ever think that a man so youthful could speak as adeptly as he could. All of the time we were there, myself and the noble Odysseus never expressed disagreement in either assembly or council, keeping to one mind rather, with wisdom and prudent advice we guided the Argives, planning the best way matters could happen. But when at last we ransacked the steep-built city of Priam, we went away in the ships, and a god dispersed the Achaeans. Then in his mind did Zeus meditate for the Argives a baneful homeward return, since they did not all know wisdom or justice. Therefore many of them met terrible doom from the deadly ruinous wrath of the bright-eyed one whose father is mighty. She stirred up a contention between the two scions of Atreus, after they called on all the Achaeans to meet in assembly. Rash was the summons, without due order, and just at the sunset. Heavy with wine were the sons of Achaeans who came to the meeting. Both of them said their say as to why they had gathered the people. Then Menelaus gave order for all the Achaeans to turn their minds to the homeward return on the great broad back of the deep sea. Not in the least this pleased Agamemnon. He was for holding back those people. He wanted to offer up sacred oblations so as to placate Athena and calm her terrible anger. Fool that he was, not knowing that she would not be persuaded, since not swiftly are altered the minds of the gods who live always. So did the two lords stand there and fling harsh words at each other, speaking in turn. With astonishing clamor, the well-grieved Achaeans sprang to their feet. Two different plans found favor among them. That was a night we passed, meditating harsh thoughts of each other deep in our minds, for the bane of our misery Zeus was devising. Some of us dragged our ships to the luminous sea in the morning, put on board our possessions, as well as the deep-girdled women. Half of the people, however, remained, still waiting in patience, there with Atreus' son, Agamemnon, the shepherd of people. Half of us going on board pushed off, and the ships very quickly sailed, while a god made level the sea with its monstrous abysses. Going to Tenedos, there to the gods we offered our victims, eager to hurry on home. Not yet Zeus planned our returning, merciless one, who roused yet a second calamitous quarrel. Those with the lordly Odysseus, ingenious, various-minded, turned their tractable galleys around once more and departed, going to Atreus' son Agamemnon, and carried him comfort. I, however, and those of the ships which crowded behind me, fled because I was aware that a god was devising us evils. 
Tydeus warlike son fled also and urged his companions. Afterward, joining with us, light-haired Menelaus departed, coming to Lesbos as we were debating about the long voyage, whether we should make sail above rugged and rock-strewn Chios, keeping it there on our left while coasting the Psyrian island, or below Chios, beside the wind-blown promontory of Mimos. There we prayed for the god to accord us a sign, and to us he showed one, giving us orders to cut through the midst of the seaway into Euboea, and thereby swiftly escape from disaster. Whistling the wind came up to a gale, and the ships very quickly ran straight over the fish-thronged pathways, and then in the night-time made it to land at Gerystus, and there we offered Poseidon many a bull's thigh-bone, having measured the width of the vast sea. It was the fourth day then when the comrades of Tydeus, Sion, tamer of steeds, Diomedes, could anchor their evenly balanced galleys in Argos, but I held on toward Pylos. The wind was never abated from when that god first set it to blowing. So I arrived, dear child, quite ignorant. Nothing I knew of those who among the Achaeans were saved, nor of those who have perished. Those things I have discovered while settled at home in our palace, you shall be told, as is right, nor from you will I hide any knowledge. Safely, they say, have the Myrmidons come, those passionate spearmen, led back home by the glorious son of great-hearted Achilles. Safe Philoctetes returned, the illustrious offspring of Poios. Idomeneus to their homes in Crete brought all of his comrades, those who escaped from the war, and of none did the seaway deprive him. You have yourselves heard, far as you live, about Atreus' scion, how he returned, how Aegisthus devised his wretched destruction. Nevertheless, he too most grievously made a requital. So it is good for a man, even when he is dead, to have left his son to survive him, for that son punished the father-destroyer, subtle and scheming Aegisthus, who killed his glorious father. You too, friend, I see you sufficiently handsome and grown up. Be bold now, so that those born later may speak of you fitly. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to him, giving an answer. Nestor, Neleus' son, the Achaeans' preeminent glory, truly the sun has requited the deed. The Achaeans will henceforth carry his glory abroad as a song for the men of the future. Would that the gods might put about me such vestments of prowess, so I could punish the suitors for their vexatious offenses, arrogant men who plot against me such reckless devices. But it was no such fortune the gods spun out as my portion, not for my father nor me. Now, nevertheless, we must bear it. Speaking to him, then answered the horseman, Gerenian Nestor, Friend, since you have recalled to my mind these matters and spoken, men do talk of the suitors who seek your mother, the many there in your house who against your will are devising you evils. Tell me, 
Are you subdued quite willingly, or do the people hate you there in your land, in response to a god's injunction? Who is to know whether he will return some day and requite their violence, either alone or with all the Achaeans to aid him? For if bright-eyed Athena so wanted to favor and love you, as at the time she cared for Odysseus, the glorious hero, when in the land of the Trojans Achaeans were suffering sorrows, never have I seen gods so openly showing their favor as beside him stood openly, aiding him, Pallas Athena. If in her heart she wanted to love you and care for you that much, then at least some of those men would surely forget about marriage. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to him, giving an answer. Old sir, I do not think these words will at all be accomplished. What you say is too grand. Ah, grips me. Never would these things happen for me as I hope, not even if gods should desire it. Speaking to him made answer the goddess, bright-eyed Athena. What word, Telemachus, this that escapes from the fence of your teeth now? Lightly a god, if he wanted, could save a man, even from far off. I would prefer, even though after suffering many afflictions, yet to arrive back home and to look on the day of returning, rather than come to be killed at my hearth in the way Agamemnon died from the treacherous act of Aegisthus and his own bedmate. Death, however, is common to all. Not even the gods can keep it from even a man they love when finally he must fall in the ruinous doom of his death so long in the morning. Thoughtful Telemachus then spoke out to her, giving an answer. Mentor, as sad as we are, let us talk no longer of these things. His homecoming no longer is possible, but the immortals have already devised his death and the blackest of doomsdays. Now of a different matter I wish to inquire and to question Nestor, since beyond other men he knows justice and wisdom. Three generations of men, they say, he has governed as ruler. As an immortal appears, he seems to me, gazing upon him. Nestor, Neleus' son, now tell me the truth of a matter. How died Atreus' son, wide-governing Lord Agamemnon? Where was the Lord Menelaus? What manner of death was devised by subtle and scheming Aegisthus? He killed one greatly as better. Was Menelaus not in Achaean Argos, but elsewhere, wandering yet among men, so the other found courage to murder?' 